Hi, everyone. This is Aaron Larson, executive editor of Power Magazine, and you're listening to the Power Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by Kareem Amin. He's an executive board member with Siemens Energy. So, Kareem, thank you for coming on the program. Uh, please tell a little bit about yourself and, and what you do with Siemens Energy. Thank you, Aaron, for having me, and uh, hello to everybody. Glad to be talking to you today. Well, I've been with Siemens Energy for almost 20 years now. I've been running in various parts of the energy business, power generation business. Uh, however, since March this year, I've been appointed to the executive board of Siemens Energy, uh, where I'm responsible for the generation division. That's the division that runs all the power generation business and its service business as well, uh, running from two megawatt small applications, typically in distributed networks, all the way to the large combined cycles and um, nuclear units. Uh, I'm also looking after the industrial application division. This is the place where we are doing a lot of effort to uh, reduce the uh, carbon footprint of um, industrial customers and help them to consume energy in a more efficient way. I'm also looking after the procurement and logistics function within the company and uh, have an oversight on China and the Asia-Pacific from the geographical regional responsibility. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of things uh, taking place at Siemens Energy. And I know, as you mentioned, you've been in the power industry for a long time. So what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in recent years? And, and what sort of developments do you think will will help shape the future in the next five to ten years? Uh, well, it's, it's really a privilege to be you know, part of a, a big corporation like Siemens Energy. It, it covers the entire uh, value chain of energy. It's um, uh, perhaps a few words first about what the company is doing. It's uh, roughly a 30 billion euro revenue business that goes across generation, transmission, as well as storage, and, and um, uh, also the industrial application part, which I, I talked about. Roughly 90,000 employees deployed in 90 countries, and um, it's actually spending every year a billion euro of, of R&D. So, I mean, being in this um, domain and in a company that is as versatile as Siemens Energy, you actually do see what is happening in the energy landscape. Uh, and of course, uh, there has been a lot of dynamics uh, in the past years, mainly in the direction of and net zero and the decarbonization of the energy systems around us. But also, I think we have seen it in center stage when you look at the geopolitical instability and the security of supply topic uh, hitting Europe and, uh, and the rest of the world in a very, very prominent and visible way. I think one of the most important topics we're dealing with right now is how fast can we decarbonize the power generation and the electricity generation in the societies around us. Uh, there is no doubt that the world has made its choice and is even accelerating the journey towards net zero and reducing really the carbon CO2 footprint. And um, I think recently we've also seen heat waves in, in Europe and fires in, in the forests, much more than we have seen them in the past. Uh, so climate change is happening in front of our own eyes. And um, uh, that's really a call for action. It's not anymore when or how. It's really happening, and it's our responsibility uh, in the industry, but also as uh, human beings uh, to, to really uh, combat that. But on the other hand side, 
we also see the importance of security of supply. I mean, the world needs uh, reliable electricity. It's very important, not only for the economic development, but for the very same life uh, that we have. Um, hospitals need to run uh, uh, all the uh, you know food supply chain needs to run, transportation needs to run. Everything needs energy and needs energy to be present when we need them uh, and also in levels which is affordable. So you see on one hand side the pressure to go as fast as possible into low CO2 or uh, low carbon footprint uh, power generation. On the other hand side, uh, it's very important that you have also a system that is reliable and it's affordable. And this is the major change that we see uh, happening in front of us right now. Obviously, this is something that the whole world is working to solve is the decarbonization and, and shooting for the net zero. And part of that, of course, is adding solar and wind energy to the power grid. You know, we're seeing that happen throughout the world, you know, whether it's in the U.S. or in Europe or in China even. You know, they're they're adding a lot of these uh, PV panels and, and wind turbines. So do you have any concerns with that? trajectory on how quickly we're moving to renewable energy or or do you think we can manage the grid reasonably and and reach uh, you know the goals without too much uh, struggle uh, look i'm all for it and uh, there is no doubt that uh, we need more and more and faster deployment of renewables important of course is to realize and understand that uh, renewables also have its challenges and um, back to the point we just discussed earlier, when the sun is not shining and when the wind is not blowing, so a windless night, as we sometimes like to call it, what are you going to do? Uh, and uh, you still need to run uh, all your, um, let's say, activities in the same way uh, that, uh, when, uh, that you do when you have uh, the abundance of renewable energy. So I think the, uh, society needs to understand that, uh, yes, we need renewables, we need a lot of it, and we need it fast, but it's not coming for free. It has its own challenges. There still needs to be a lot of innovation happening in the storage of this um, uh, renewable energy, and um, it takes time, takes money, uh, it costs us money, and uh, it also needs commitment from the society to also change uh, the way we live our lives and uh, the way we consume uh, electricity, uh, because this is what it takes to go to the renewable energy and get closer to um, our ambition of um, uh, CO2-free world uh, when it comes to energy. Mm-hmm. And of course, Siemens Energy is a big player in the wind power sector because you uh, are involved with the, the Siemens Gamesa group. So Recently, I believe Siemens Energy announced that that you were going to take over all of the outstanding shares of Siemens Gamesa. That company hasn't always, or that business unit hasn't always had uh, luck is in in its hitting its financial forecast. Why is Siemens Energy interested in taking full control of that business now? And and what changes do you think are necessary to make it a reliable profit center uh, for the company going forward? Because we have a mission, and the mission is definitely uh, helping the world and helping our partners and our customers to do this transition from a world that is based today on fossil power generation into a world that is based on uh, renewable power generation. And 
we talked about that um, renewable energy needs to be transmitted and needs to be stored. And Siemens Energy is uh, one of the leading uh, companies in the world when it comes to um, high voltage DC uh, and interconnection of um, uh, the grids. But also when we look at Siemens Gamesta, Siemens Gamesta is one of the lead, leading companies in the world when it comes to wind power. Uh, we actually do believe that the uh, fundamentals of the business is intact. Uh, the world is going to need more and more and more of wind power. So the demand is huge and the gross potential is, you know, there without doubt. Uh, and I think um, like Jochen Eichelt, the CEO of Siemens Gamessa, has uh, said in, um, in his talk with financial analysts, there is nothing in the problems of Siemens Gamessa that we have not seen before. Uh, so these are topics that we know uh, how to handle. It will take time. It will take a lot of work, but it's topics related to structure, project excellence, management of risks and supply chain. And once these things um, are fixed, and we believe they will be fixed, then the elements of Siemens Gamesa uh, as one of the leading companies in the wind energy business connected with our capability to transmit this electricity from wind, whether it's coming from offshore or from onshore, and then storing it and using it into, into the grid, whether uh, into batteries or through our electrolyzer business that generates hydrogen, that could be deployed into another industry. This notion of integrated energy system is what we are behind. And, and we believe that Siemens Gamesta is a very important piece of this puzzle. And um, as I said, the issues that we have in there can be resolved, and we are working on resolving them as soon as we can. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree with you that I think the wind industry does have a lot of potential. And I think, you know, we're still going to continue to see more, more and more wind turbines going up. So you're certainly in the right business uh, if you can get the ship headed in the right direction. And I'm, I'm sure with all of the resources that Siemens Energy has, I'm, I have no doubt that you will. Talking about some other businesses that you're involved in, obviously combustion turbines are a big part of, of Siemens Energy. That has also been a very competitive market in recent years. And, you know, we still see new plants being built, but the numbers aren't uh, necessarily as as high as, as a person would expect. So how do you feel about the prospects for gas turbine sales going forward? Do you see a lot of power companies still investing in, in gas-fired power generation? Well, I think you're absolutely right. And it's part of the transition. We are transiting from uh, as I said, fossil-based into renewable, but we need to resolve the issue of, of intermittence and um, storage, etc. But, of course, this uh, creates its impact and takes its toll in the amount and the number of gas turbines you are deploying newly into the market year over year. Uh, having that said, uh, we just looked at the revised market estimates on how many uh, gas additions in terms of gigawatt per annum uh, we will see, and we have looked at an, an improved uh, number. Uh, I mean, the market models which the industry are looking at with consensus, we're talking about 50 gigawatts per annum. Now this has been revised into 60 plus. We have been looking at a market that is below 100 large gas turbine per year. Uh, I think uh, this year is slowly coming to an end, and we are 
already crossing the 100 mark. We believe it's going to be more than 110 or 115. Uh, so on one hand side, uh, the world still uh, requires gas turbines to uh, work as the bridge and solve part of the intermittence problem we talked about. Uh, gas turbines are also running more and more at a very high levels of efficiency. Uh, there are uh, few technological solutions that could also help to bring the CO2 footprint of the gas turbines down by almost two-thirds uh, through hydrogen co-firing or through carbon capture technologies. Um, so there are ways uh, that the um, world is looking at right now and really implementing to um, use the gas turbines uh, in the time where the storage capacity in terms of maturity of technology is not yet there. On the other hand side, you look at the existing fleet of um, uh, gas turbines and our uh, measures on utilization, which means how many hours per day these units are running, are going up and up. Part of it also is unfortunately connected to the climate change because uh, uh, you have more and more difficulties with um, drought and uh, heat waves that um, you cannot uh, you know, use the hydropower as as you want, and you cannot also use uh, rivers to transport goods and commodities, etc. So gas turbines still plays a major role. My view is we will use them as much as we need them. And of course, we will always do that in a sustainable way that uh, has the minimum impact on the environment. And speaking of the environment, you know, you had mentioned earlier in, in the podcast about climate change and how the weather is changing. And, and even just now, you we're talking a little bit about it. We've seen a lot of extreme weather uh, in the U.S., in Europe, in other parts of the world. Although the hurricane season has been fairly mundane this year, um, last year we, we had an, a large number. I'm, I live in Florida, and so, of course, that's very important to me to see fewer storms is a good thing. But we've also seen a lot of heat waves that are affecting the entirety of the U.S. and, and Europe, I know, has, has gone through some as well. The U.K. had some of the highest temperatures ever recorded recently, and, and I know water shortages are taking place in different parts. River systems are yeah. lower than normal. What's your take on on this whole thing, and, and what should power companies be doing to account for the changes that are happening? I mean, you, you are absolutely right. I mean, if I look at some of the uh, of the statistics, um, I mean, the number of fires in the forests in Europe um, is four times higher the average of the last uh, for 15 years. Uh, so uh, frequency of the heat waves that we are seeing right now is becoming much, much more intense uh, than it used to be five years ago or 10 years ago. I talked about also the challenges of uh, low water levels. We look at, for example, the River Rhine, which is uh, very much in the heart of the industrial part of Germany, and it's used to transport a lot of products and goods down the River Rhine to Antwerp or Rotterdam. Um, and uh, we've seen that uh, shipping has been reduced dramatically because the water lines are, are much lower than they should be. Uh, so this is really happening uh, in front of us. And this brings us uh, to the point we talked about earlier. Uh, we at Siemens Energy, first of all, take uh, our own responsibility when it comes to reducing the CO2 uh, footprint of our operations. We are part of the 
SPTI, uh, Scientific Based Target Initiative, uh, where we committed uh, by 2023 to bring all renewable energy in our electricity consumption. We are also um, part of um, reaching the net zero by 2030 in the different scopes for for the people listening to us. Uh, there is the element of the products that you are producing and how much these products consume energy and then uh, where this energy is coming from. Then there is the element of your supply chain and how uh, your suppliers are bringing you uh, products and input to your industry and what kind of CO2 uh, footprint this creates. And then there is the element of uh, your own final product and whether it contributes towards the CO2 emission or not. And one of the major contributors to CO2 uh, emission is coal-fired power plants. And uh, we as a company, we took a decision already a couple of years ago, and we stepped out of new coal-fired power plants projects. Uh, we still do some service uh, on the existing fleet because actually the service helps existing units that are running in any case to be upgraded and to bring their CO2 um, level down. So we actually uh, contribute in, in, in this regard. Uh, on the other hand side, we are also investing a lot. I talked about um, 1 billion of R&D that we're investing and a big part of that, uh, more than 20% of that, and it's increasing year on year, is really going into new technologies that would help accelerate the energy transition. And by energy transition, we really talk about this balance we touched upon earlier on putting as much as renewables as you can, while on the other hand side, uh, still finding the way to uh, keep the system reliable, stable, and affordable. Mm-hmm. And I believe in the opening, you you mentioned that part of your responsibility is dealing with industrial customers. So along those lines, what is Siemens Energy doing to support its industrial customers through this change as we're going through the evolution that's happening in the energy industry? That's a very important point because immediately after power generation as one of the major contributors to CO2 emissions worldwide, transportation, which is also part of the industry, comes next and immediately after that is industrial applications for processes in the industry that is consuming electricity and also creating CO2 footprint. It is also worth to mention that 40% of the electricity on average that is consumed worldwide is consumed by industrial customers or industrial facilities. So they also have an indirect impact on the first element of CO2 emission. And the industrial application division within our company or what we also put in our strategy as decarbonization of industrial um, and um, uh, industrial processes and heat is a very, very important element of decarbonization. Uh, all of the industrial sectors also have not net zero targets for CO2. They want to reach it different uh, points of time. But if you look at the steel industry, if you look at the fertilizer industry, if you look at pulp and paper, et cetera, et cetera, petrochemical, they are energy intensive industries and they need to also make uh, big steps into reducing their CO2 footprint. And Siemens Energy, through its industrial application division, works very close with these customers hand in hand to find ways on one hand side to raise the efficiency of their processes so that they consume less energy and on the other hand side 
uh, this energy that is consumed is done in a way that is also uh, in a hybrid uh, configuration that uses also a, a renewable energy, but as, uh, at the same time puts smart solutions like either carbon capture or like green hydrogen to reduce the overall CO2 footprint. Mm-hmm. And I suspect you're probably working quite literally with your own company at Siemens Energy, implementing some of these same solutions that you're using with industrial customers into your own operations. Is that true? Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's no better proof than if you, uh, you know, you don't offer help unless you, you know, are able to help yourself. And that's something, of course, that uh, we are doing um, in our industrial processes, in our own manufacturing processes, very much so. I, I told you about our commitments by 2023 to uh, use only electricity coming from renewable energy. We are equipping a lot of our factories with digital solutions that uh, are very smart, uh, supports seamless uh, process of our uh, manufacturing and uh, reducing a lot the impact on uh, consumption, waste, and all all of this is, of course, uh, translated into net CO2 reduction. Yeah kind of the the concept of eating your own cooking you know you you're utilizing the solutions and improving them within your own company uh, which helps you make improvements and and roll them out to others so great great to hear well uh, kareem it's been a pleasure talking to you is there anything else that you'd like to discuss before we wrap up the podcast well i think it was very good variety of topics that we share with the audience. And um, in the end, I really want to say that this challenge of climate change is one of the biggest challenges the humanity has been facing. I think it's the biggest challenge that we have right now. Very, very uh, also pressing, not only on, on our generation, but also on the future generations. Um, you see, you know, the youth and the younger kids in in the schools and so on are very conscious about it. Uh, It is our duty and it's our responsibility collectively to work on uh, the topic. And I think one of the most important uh, messages I want to leave with our uh, distinguished audience is that we first need to really understand the gravity of the problem. And the problem is sophisticated. It's not as simple as putting renewables and putting the plug on gas, for example, because in the end of the day, you need to keep the day-to-day life running, critical infrastructure running, and uh, renewable does not solve this issue on its own. It's, um, it's a solution that needs to happen, taking a number of elements into consideration and working as fast as possible through this transition process. And my pledge to everybody is, you know, get genuinely interested and curious about the solutions, but also about the challenges, uh, because it's the math it takes each and every one of us also in our day-to-day life, our lifestyle needs to also be responsible and um, uh, in connection with the entire uh, solution we're talking about. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Kareem. I think you made an excellent point there. Again, for listeners, I want to remind them that I've been speaking with Kareem Amin. He's an executive board member with Siemens Energy. 
Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. I, I guess I should also remind uh, listeners that they can go back. I recorded a podcast with you about a year ago where we talked a lot about hydrogen and, and some of the other aspects uh, of work that you're doing in research and development and other things. So I'd encourage people to go back and listen to that one as well. But again, thank you for coming on the program. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Kareem. Pleasure is all mine. Thank you, Aaron.